welcome to the Hobby Tassel podcast. I'm Gemma. And I'm Candice. This is the podcast for creatives run by two fellow business owners who discuss the ups and downs of creative entrepreneurship. From dealing with imposter syndrome to celebrating new business milestones, we're here to talk about all of them with you. Hi, welcome back to the Hobby Tassel podcast. I am here with Candice. Yay, she's back. Yay! <laughs> um, I'm feeling a bit better, which is good. Because, um, yeah, I mean, she's here to chat with you all today about craft fairs. So, I am basically going to be throwing a bunch of questions at Candice because she's done way more craft fairs than I have. <laughs> so, Candice, why'd you do them? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, the reason why I started it is because everyone said you should do them. So it wasn't actually like, oh, I want to do it. It's more like I got into the stationery business and then everyone's like, oh, are you going to do a craft fair? You should do a craft fair, blah, blah, blah. And then I, initially, I didn't even know what a craft market was. Like before I even started my business, I never even went to a craft fair. And so the reason why I started doing one is because people are saying you get to meet a lot of new people and you get to make some like in-person sales, which is very hard to do if you're a full e-commerce based business, essentially. And like, it's better for people who are like, like DIYing a lot of their things, but it's not like a flea market type of situation. I mean, maybe some are, but the ones that I go to aren't. So yeah, the reason why I started doing them like how I got into them was because my friends like low key pressured me. I was gonna say you were peer them. pressured. <laughs> I was peer pressured. In a loving 100%. way. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you said it's not like a flea market. Um, we call them car boots in the UK, car boot sales. <laughs> I don't know if you know that. Just throwing that out there in case you didn't. No. Um, so what differentiates a craft market to a car boot or a fleet market, whatever you want to call it? I don't know, to be honest. I would have to Google what a flea market is. Like, let me let me look up what a flea market is right now. Flea market. Um So yeah, my I definitely personal spelled flea wrong. Understand. Yeah, what's your... <laughs> How can you spell flea wrong? <laughs> L E E market. Um, I think it's about fleas in like the type of things you find on cats and dogs. Um, yeah. So my understanding of flea markets or car boots or whatever you call them is that that's your way to sell secondhand stuff you no longer want. Ah, uh, yes, 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 yeah. yes, yes, yes. Okay. So no. Um. Craft markets are definitely not that. Craft markets are small business owners who make these things brand new for customer use. So for me, it's stickers, washi tapes, etc. A really popular, I guess, um, industry or category would be jewelry. There's a lot of jewelry makers out there. Uh, candle makers. I would say those two among the stationary brand are the most popular, especially candles, because to start candles, um, I've been told it's easier by candle makers than it is to start on stationary and, um, and it's more relaxing apparently. So that's what, uh, 
I guess that's the difference. Like if flea market, you're selling something secondhand to, you know, not have to throw it out. And at a craft market, you are creating new things. It's like an art style. So craft markets were a bit fancier. Not that they're fancy, but they're fancier than a flea market. (laughs) So presentation is important. And I guess, how do you think people should be presenting themselves at a basic level to get started? And then what would they build up to? So when you first start off, um, I would say you don't need to focus too much on getting all the things that you have out there. I mean, you can. It will be very overwhelming. So I'm, I haven't released a YouTube video yet, but I'm about to. So by the time this episode comes out, I don't know if it'll be out yet. But the basic starter, I would say, is just have some decor and you don't need to go over the top. If you want it to be like super perfect by the time you do it, it's causing so much stress that it'll probably be traumatizing for you to do another one. Um, But also it could be a learning experience, I guess. So I would say to start off, go to a local one, like, like not, uh, one that is already extremely well known because the one, the fee will be very different. For example, if you pay like $400 for a weekend, that's, that's a popular one here in, uh, lower mainland BC. And there are cheaper ones that are like $75 or like a hundred dollars for one day. And if it's two days, maybe it's like $200. So that's half the price. Then you can spend whatever it is that you saved on the fee to, you know, buy some displays. I would say going on Pinterest was very important for me to look at how other people set it up. But then I wouldn't look at ones that are over the top for my level, like the beginning level. If that made sense. Yeah. I guess another question I have is what physical things do people need to bring with them apart from product? So for example, I think a tablecloth is something that a lot of newbies might not realize. (laughs) Yeah, like a table runner. Either a table cover and then a table runner with your brand on it. Um, Those are the things that you need. Change. Bring change. (laughs) Like, for real. Because it... If you don't have change, you'll be surprised at how many um, customers you will lose because of it. So try to have, bring a payment system. I actually have a checklist that I uh, wrote and designed. So it's for free right now that you can get. Um, but to kind of go over what I did. So you'll need a display structure. So sometimes some people will bring uh, risers and stuff like that. What are risers? Uh, riser. Hmm. <laughs> if you look, if you look up display riser, it's like this three tiered or however many tiered display rack thing okay. on the tabletop. Yeah. And then you'll need tape. Tape you wouldn't think you'd normally need that, um. but you need tape and scissors to like. If something's falling apart or whatever and you try to fix or you're trying to fixate something onto another spot, 
um, it it's not doable without tape. So you need change, you need uh, structures, you need like display structures, you need a little bit of decor. You don't need to ball out and buy like orchids and stuff. I'm mm-hmm. talking about like you need to go to a dollar store, maybe buy some fake, fla- fake flowers. I was thinking um, confetti as well. That's like yeah, a... Yeah, little, little, little confettis, little yeah. petals, flower petals and stuff. There's a bunch of other stuff that's on my checklist, which we'll provide in the description. Yeah. I can't think of it at the top of my head, even though if I like literally just did a market this month. <laughs> so I have to say one thing about this. The mater- materials is the wrong word. Basically, the other stuff you need besides stock so you can get these fancy branded banners, but they are expensive when you're a new business and you need to be confident that you're going to be doing more craft fairs in the future. If you're listening to this, you might be at a beginner level, so you don't know if they're going to be right for you anyway. So I would say avoid paying for a banner unless you know you're going to be going ahead. So what a lot of you don't know is that I actually had a business previously it didn't go well. <laughs> I didn't enjoy it. It was stressful. I ended up packing it in, but I bought an expensive banner and I generally felt sad when I looked at this banner and I kept it for about a year because I thought this was expensive. I don't want to bin it, but I could, I could, where would I use it? My business was no longer around. I couldn't give it to someone else that had my branding on. So I guess my point is just think carefully as to whether you want to invest in that. And if you're in your early days as well, your branding might change quite a lot in a short period of time. So I actually have a tip for that. Now, the first, there's two options that you can do. You could either go to a local print shop and print a like regular, maybe thicker paper or like a different, like a some type of paper and have it you know, just roll out on top of the, or out of the table, like a table runner. You can do that. A second option, which I prefer, is to buy a photo frame, like just a regular uh, photo frame and, you know, get your business logo, etc. printed off, maybe with a QR code as well. Ah, yes, that's the thing. Have something that has a QR code on it for people to follow your socials. And sign up for your email listing. I was going to say email stuff like list. <laughs> yeah, sign up for your email listing and bring your business cards. So you can have like one dedicated spot. You don't need like the whole table or like a quarter. Just one dedicated spot for people to know, you know, who you are. Some people even do like an about the artist kind of thing. So you can do stuff like that. And when I first did it, I basically put... A picture frame of my business logo and stuff at the corner of my table like on the top or I guess you can call it bottom right of my table and people who walk by would just scan it now the problem with that though means people who are standing in front of my place can't see it so what I do now is I just have a structure that's like a little taller than everything else and then I just stick my info on that I'm talking about like for socials and stuff, but you can technically do that with a photo frame. Right now, obviously, I have a banner and everything, but I blow through those as well because I keep changing up the design. I'm working (laughs) on not doing that now, but yeah. Yeah. So that's something you can do. Yeah. Cool. 
So you have your stock and you have your other stuff like tablecloths. <laughs> what about people? <laughs> do you, How do you bring someone along with you? Do you need someone to come along with you? What would you suggest? So what I suggested was um, to pack accordingly. Something that you guys will notice in my checklist, it would say, please be mindful of the size of stuff that you bring. So one of the tips that I have in there and what of the other stuff that I talk about in my YouTube video is rather than bringing an anti-fatigue mat, um, which is which are huge, and even the individual ones are like, what, two by three feet big, and that, that's pretty big, um, is to get insoles. So the reason why I mention that is because a lot of the times you won't have someone to help you. You don't need to have someone with you. If you're someone that's very anxious and you can't, you know, you can't handle being alone or sorry, that sounds really bad. You can't, ha- you don't, you, it's you intimidating. need someone for support. Yeah, yeah it is very intimidating scary. to start off. I've never, mm. I've, I did not do it alone to start mm. off. Now I, I don't, I don't really care if I'm alone. It is nice to have someone there for you though. Um, as someone you can chat with if it's down or like watch over your stall. So these are the tips that I have for if you can't find someone to be with you. Obviously, if they are with you, a lot of your issues are going to be resolved because you got someone to watch over your things, etc. So if you are alone, bring a, not a, what are those things called? Not a linear. It's not linear. Linen, right. <laughs> a linen. <laughs> uh, bring either a thin linen sheet or like a, like a very light tarp that you can cover your shop if you need to go to the washroom. Now to tackle that is to, this oh, this is so crucial. When you're going to set up to the place, now this is gonna sound like I'm going off on a tangent, but it, it's not, it's related, I promise. So when you go there to set up, it's gonna, it, they usually give you about an hour. I highly recommend practicing setting up as much as you can, as many times. And when I say practice, I mean, Tear everything, tear everything down, put it in your box, take it back out. It seems redundant, but time yourself. Because I can guarantee you, if you go there and you unpack and it's 45 minutes and you know you need another 30, they're not going to give you that 30. And they're probably going to be annoyed that you're not ready because technically it's on their reputation as well. No pressure. But that's what this just, you know, you're working with another business, right? So there's that. Now, if you practice and you're under the time of them giving, like the under the t- given time, use that time to grab yourself some snacks. Or if you already have snacks, you can eat some snacks and go to the washroom. <laughs> A lot of times I see people chit-chatting and it's nice. It's great. Say hi to your neighbors. Say hi to other vendors. But then right before door opens, some a lot of times like, 70% of my friends would be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Can you wash my stuff? I just realized we're about to start. I need to go to the washroom. And then they freak out, right? Because everyone thought that. <laughs> so now there's a lineup. And so go to the washroom before you start the thing. Now, if you need to go to the washroom midway, then yes, you can take out your um, drapes, especially if you're doing a two-day thing and you should bring one. Um, take out your drapes, cover up your shop, and then you can, if you want, right? For ease of mind, have a little sign saying, be back in five minutes or however long. I usually put five minutes or three minutes. 
you can ask the vendor next to you. However, please keep in mind that it is more of a courtesy thing. If they're busy and something happens to yourself, they're not liable. Just because you ask someone, it's the same as if you go to a coffee shop and you ask someone, hey, can you wash my stuff? You can't expect them to, you know, dedicate their full time. Even if they say G- yes. Can yes. I go on, yes, on a sub rant? <laughs> yeah, go for it. I went to a concert last year and a couple of people attending the show were like, oh, we need to pop to the loo. Can you watch our seats? I was like, okay, sure. But this was as the show was filling up. So imagine like watching a couple of randomers seats whilst the venue is starting to get packed. So I already felt uncomfortable. They didn't come back. (laughs) They asked me to watch the seats and then they didn't come back. Oh, that's so rude. That's so rude. That's so rude. No, no, if someone sat like (laughs) two seats away, then oh God. Yeah. But yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Some people will say yes, just automatically because they may be people pleasers. um, And they might just go like, yeah, sure. But you know, if they get swarmed or if something happens, they get called away, they, you know, there's nothing they can do, right? And they don't know how long you're going to be gone for because some you might, you know, do that thing where I say to Will, I need to go to the washroom. I go to the washroom, but on the way there, I'm checking out other people's shops and stuff. Uh, obviously, you may not have that mindset if you know that no one's watching your things. But when you first start off, that's something you can do. Like just go like, hey, I'm, you know, stepping away real quick. Do you mind watching my things? I guarantee you, if you had something covering your stuff, they'll feel better um, as well. And yeah, that's what you can do when you're alone. Pack less and go to the washroom. Yeah, I expect people will need (laughs) to do that. But um, I love the idea of putting just a sheet over it. It's so simple, but I wouldn't have thought of it. And I drink a lot of tea as well, so I would probably need to go like once an hour oh (laughs) yeah so if it's a two-day event do you have Mm -hmm. to take down all your stuff bring it home with you then bring it back and then set up all again how does it work there has yet to been a situation where i had to do that a lot of the time the hosts will not want people to take take things down and bring it home so then they bring a a tent thing, like a tarp thing. I have like this really thin sheet that I can just cover over. You do not need to brand it, by the way. Let me <laughs> let me tell those for you who are listening and you're thinking, I'm just gonna put my business. Don't one, that's expensive. Two, if you put it up, no one cares. Because mm. no one's gonna be in there. Yeah. If you're going to the washroom, you should have you could have something that's at the table cover. You don't need it running from the f- ceiling to the floor. Okay. Have you seen people you do that? To- oh yeah. Oh. hundred percent. I've seen people like having to drape it all the way to the floor, but then when it got busy, someone stepped on it and it almost pulled down their whole entire table. So what I'm saying is, if you're so. How you do it is your table, you have your table, right? And your, let's say your table is about three feet. How, how tall are tables? Two and a half feet, maybe? It's up to my hip, usually. Okay, let's say hip. I'm five foot two for those who need to know. It's up to my hip, okay? You just need a, 
a sheet that goes from the highest point of your display to the top of the table. That's it. Any excess, you can run to the, like drape it on the back. Don't put it on the front because if you put it on the front, then you risk someone's bag, someone's jacket, etc., snagging it and then, you know, taking the whole display. I've seen that happen once. It was, I felt so bad. And it's not just, you know, you could actually hurt someone, but, and your stock gets knocked all over the place, but you could damage your stock as well. Imagine you can also damage someone else's stuff, which is why you need insurance. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I got so intimidated by insurance when I signed up for a market store. I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) Why do I I get it? But this is really just to cover your butt, essentially. Um, especially if you are someone that's handling more high-end stuff or you don't even know if the person next to you is handling more high-end stuff. There was one time where we were outdoors and someone had a photo booth and it was very windy. The camera got blown over. That was $4,000, just no longer functioning. Ouch. She did not have insurance. Oh, no. Yeah, so that's just, I know I'm saying scary stories, but I'm just saying, you know, you might not think it won't happen to you, but I've experienced too many, oh, this would never happen to me situations for me to understand it's definitely going to happen to me. Not just that, some uh, events require you to have insurance, at least the one yes. I signed up to. They, would, they wouldn't yes. let us go unless we had insurance. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. makes sense. Otherwise I would say they would be 70% liable. of them. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I would say 70% of them require them nowadays, yeah. especially. So I think that's good for people to know because that shocked me when I didn't know. And I actually kind of got annoyed by it. But after hearing some of your stories, I kind of understand. And while we're saying insurance, for those who are like confused as to where you need to start, go to... Now, I'm not an insurance broker, right? Um, I have an insurance guy that handles all my home insurances, my car insurance, etc. They most likely will know what the heck you're talking about if you just tell them the situation. You can just go to them, right, or go to your local insurance broker, someone that you've already talked to and had like been with, right? If you have not, you are young. Go to your mom and dad and go. Who do we talk to for insurance? Because I need to buy a one-day business insurance coverage. I want to talk to someone I can trust. Yeah. So I think culturally, maybe this is different to the UK mm-hmm. because we do have some insurance. Like, we have to have car insurance. And if you buy a home, you have to have home insurance. But we don't really have a big culture of insurance. Like, I definitely wouldn't go to my parents to ask about insurance and I don't have an insurance broker. I don't even know what that is. I'm guessing that's all that sells you insurance. I think, I can't remember if the event runner told us who to go to or if I just Googled market store insurance. I can't remember. But if you're in the UK, it just be conscious it might be different to Canada and legally in different countries, it's going to be different. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Here I am being dense as heck and going like everyone's the same. No. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, but I so, wouldn't have known. Uh, like, No, 100%. Yeah. No, because I know 
in the states, insurance is completely different. All insurances are private. Oh, I mean here for car in Canada, cars is wait, or is, no, sorry, I lied. Only BC, it's run by one monopoly company. Um, but for business insurance, um, there's other ones as well. But yeah, so to start, just talk to someone who you know could, you know, do insurance stuff. A lot of the times, if you don't know where to start, you're right. Talk to the host. The host got insurance from someone and you can go like, I know nothing and you require this. So please, could I have the name Mm -hmm. of someone that you can recommend? Yeah. And they're probably going to be happy to do that because one, it means they have insured people, insured customers that are ready to join them. And two, I wouldn't be mm-hmm. surprised if they get a referral uh, bonus as well. So they'll be more than happy to point you in the yeah. right direction, I'm sure. Exactly. Okay. So kind of on the level of insurance, but not really. How do you protect yourself to make sure that the places you go to will return your money? I probably haven't phrased that correctly, but what I, I know mean what you is, mean. Yeah. How do you, you know it's worth it? Yeah. <laughs> that was a okay. quicker, more easy way to say that. <laughs> more easy? That's no. not even a word, does it? <laughs> this kind of goes back to the first question that you had, which is like, why do you do them and stuff like that? Or like, how do you do them? Not before you apply, because there's essentially four steps to doing a craft market. Um, the four steps that I talk about, was, again, is also my YouTube video. So the first step is to apply, right? Now, before you apply, though, go to the craft market event before you apply. Talk to the host. See what kind of vibes the host gives you. This is not like a like a good person, bad person vibe check or whatever. It's just to see what, if you click well with the host. If you don't, you're not going to have a good time. Talk to the veterans of that uh, of that craft market. It's oh, it, like obviously don't talk about that stuff if they're being swarmed, right? It's if it's quiet going. You could talk to the quiet people too. Going like, hey, I'm looking to become. It, please introduce yourself. Hey, my name is blah blah blah. I do blah blah blah. I'm looking into doing craft markets for the first time. Would you recommend this as a market for the first time person? They might go like, oh my god, this is my first time here today and you know everything's great or blah 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 a lot of the times first timers would be like it's not what i expected which is totally fine because you kind of don't know what you're expecting a lot of people will tell you a lot of different stories but again you need to make sure that they're talking about the same venue and same event and same host christmas times are going to run differently summer times are going to run differently spring times are going to run differently so you got to remember the timing of it as well. Can so I... always go to someone. Yes. Sorry, Candice. I just want to interject when I heard the word summer because <laughs> my previous business was selling hot chocolate, so chocolate. And mm-hmm. the first time I ran a craft fair or had a market store, it was during a heat wave and it oh, was an gosh. outside event. So a bunch of stock mounted. the host like didn't really have any plans 
for if stock melted. <laughs> so just be conscious as well if you have an outdoor event. So yeah, like you said, Candice, if it's winter, if it's summer, that you need to think about the actual impact of the weather. Will your stock be safe from the rain <laughs> or the heat? Yeah. Start off small, but definitely go to these craft markets in person before you go. Now you're going to be like, Candice, how do I go to a craft market before blah, blah, blah. I'm talking about do a vibe check. I'm not talking about if there is a spring event, you go to a spring one and then apply for it right on the spot. I'm talking about for future because you need to do a vibe check first. If you're not vibing with a certain market and you apply for it and you didn't know they're not going to vibe with it, you're not going to have a good time. First impressions are always key. I also think there's probably ways to get answers from local creatives as to which market fairs are the best. Um, like you could probably find Facebook groups. So for example, I'm part of Storeholders and Events Gloucestershire, which is a Facebook group, which is very specific. So I could say, hey, I'm thinking about joining this one. Like, would you all recommend it? And get people's opinions, basically. Not everyone's going to have the same experience, um, but just because you're a general idea. Yeah, exactly. So if you can't go to those events, then you can ask online about what other people think. The only reason why I mention go to it in person is to do a vibe check as well as talk to the vendors there because then you'll know they're you know currently experiencing it if you go right in the morning and you ask them they're not going to have the answer that you're looking for unless if they're a veteran with that host and you might go like well Candace if they're a veteran they're going to be biased it's like yeah but then again if they're a veteran there's a reason why they're staying so yeah. how do people find out about fairs a lot of the time it is searching and word of mouth. So for example, one of them that I'm going to is word of mouth. Someone was like, hey, I'm going to this event. Are you going to come? Like, you should join. Here's the application. That's that's what <laughs> that's the uh, peer virtual is talking about. And um, no, I love her. Uh, but yeah, it was good because I did end up applying for it. And I was like, okay, yeah, if she's going, I want to go too. But it was more of like, a, do I have time for this? Uh, but yeah, word of mouth is extremely important. Follow those crafter um, social media platforms as well. They will have one. And you can find them on Facebook. You can just look up Craft Fairs Vancouver, right? You can even look up the previous year. Like, go on Google and like, for example, I live in Vancouver. I live <laughs> I close to Vancouver. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, sort of like Lower Mainland BC, however far you want to go. So just look up, for example, 2022 Craft Markets, Lower Mainland BC. The reason why you want to look up 2022 is because it would give you a whole year's calendar worth of the events that should have happened. And then you can go from there. Those, comp those hosts may not have released their full dates yet, but you can at least start from there. If you look up 2023, some people might not even start until summertime, right? So then you won't know about it. So look up the previous year, the previous couple of years, follow them on social media, see what their events are like. You can go to the, go to, especially on Instagram and stuff like that, or their Facebook and go to the previous photos that people have tagged them in to take a 
you know, peek at what it's like there and stuff like that. So yeah, that's how I find my fairs. Looking up most of the time, it's just seeing what other people go to as well. Um, so for example, the people that I follow, they go like, oh, I'm going to this craft fair and I know that they're a local and I've never heard of this person before. I would then, you know, click into it and look into it and then possibly follow them if I'm potentially interested in going to their craft fair as a vendor. Cool. In your opinion, are craft fairs a beginner friendly way to spend, spend money? It depends on what your initial budget is already. If you're saying that you want to go to a craft fair to make friends and stuff, that's still doable to build a brand. It's still doable. Um, I would say the things that add up are your displays and the fees. So I would say budget friendly wise, yes, you can like minus the fee if you go to a $100 or like just over a $100 place. Yeah, so those cube storage things as display or like little things that you can find at Ikea and Target. I don't have Target here, but for those who are listening that in the States, your Target, Walmart, you can find things like that. I, it does add up, but just this goes back to like, just remember to keep your setup as basic as possible to start so you're not feeling overwhelmed and so you're making it possible for you and your wallet. It is doable. Um, So you mentioned about making friends and that was one of my questions was simply, can you make friends this way? Oh, 100%. Not only friends, so you can make a whole community because you're going to go to these events and a lot of the times the same vendors will be there at different events and that's how you can build your community. There's a community of the actual event host. So for example... Um, we'll call this Billy Bob Joe's craft market. There's going to be Billy Bob Joe's craft market community. And then you're going to see the craft vendors at Billy Bob Joe's. And then you could see the vendor, the same vendors at ABC craft market or something, right? That's how you build like two separate communities, one with the host and one with the actual vendors itself. And then it just keeps growing from there. That's how you can make yourself more well-known if you don't want to be actively going like hey you want to go on a coffee date mm-hmm. and stuff like that yeah and you know even if you then stop attending craft fairs or they stop attending craft fairs like you've built that connection and who knows where that could lead to in the future craft fairs don't forget you as well at least the ones that i've gone to that's what i'm talking about in terms of vibe check for example I made BC is someone that I go to or that I went to a lot for my first year as a craft market vendor until now. She's always like, are you going to come back? And the only reason why I can't go back is yet is because it's just, it's a little bit far for me and, you know, traveling right now, sometimes not having will available is very difficult since I can't drive. It, it's been a, over a year since I last saw her. But she's always been like, I'm here to, you know, welcome you with open arms and stuff like that. So the community that you build, even if you don't go, will still be there. I actually only started going back to craft markets this year. So I took a year break from craft markets and 
it was really funny because my friends that I made prior to sorry my friends that I made after not going to craft markets they're all like why don't you join like why don't you do craft markets like you used to like why did you stop you should come back blah blah blah. so it's really nice because they're not they want you to do it with them too so yeah a lot of people that when I went to the Japan craft market here in Vancouver they were like we thought you were coming here as a vendor not a customer I'm like nah I'm a customer so uh, yeah one of my last questions was actually when to stop um like that was just my question when to stop question mark I guess by that question, I was thinking, are are there points where you don't want to be running craft fairs? Mm. There are a couple things that I want to mention with this question as well. The first thing is similar related to, it actually is related to the question where you said, is it worth it? Because it is one of the factors. Now, a lot of the times you're going to do this is... Look at your analytics, especially if you run e-commerce, right? A a lot of craft fair people are e-commerce. I know you're going to know what I'm talking about when I say this word or two words, conversion rate. So let's say you're on Etsy. Etsy will already say what your conversion rate is. On average, it's about 3% or so. What you should do is to go to the host at the end of the day after, you know, a lot of things have calmed down. First of all, thank the host for hosting and, you know, chit chat with them and then ask them, may I know how many people attended today? Because they, a lot of the times they will, them or one of their staff members will have a clicker on them to click how many people come, you know, because for analytics, right? Like a lot of this, like I have, I have yet to go to a place where they don't do that. So ask them if they don't know, then ask what their guests would be like like educated guests would be and then go back to your sales and see how the number of sales that you made and check your conversion rate it should be higher if not similar to your etsy if it's not then that's something that you can consider one why is it not that way right is it me is it just the fact that there's you know, my setup is not attractive enough or um, are you not saying looking hi to people <laughs> when they walk by? Like you're on your, yeah, looking at your phone and stuff like that. That, that like that You would be very surprised at how many people you can just say hi to and they'll quickly turn around and look at your stuff and then buy something just because you greeted them. For the people, the customers that are shy, at least you said hi, you know. You don't have to be overly aggressive and step out of your table and go like, hello, my name, I'm just saying, hi, good morning, good afternoon, welcome, stuff like that, you know, turn on your customer voice, just like me right now. But anyways, yeah, so that's how you check its worth. I would say one of the things that made me stop was when I noticed that my conversion rate was not dropping, but rising, which then made me think, okay, now that I know I have done a better job at my craft market because my in-person craft market conversion rate is substantially higher than my e-commerce I want to work on my e-commerce first or next because I, I don't want it to be one thing is like super powerful and the other thing is like kind of lagging behind so that's one thing that made me stop uh was the fact that I saw it now this sounds really backwards too I saw that my craft market was successful and that I was doing more and more of them. 
But in return, I knew that that would mean I was neglecting my e-commerce. When do you stop in terms of kind of business goals? Because you may have periods in your business where you want to focus your attention elsewhere. Like you said, you wanted to focus on your e-commerce and that was important to you. Did you decide, I'm going to stop for this amount of time and work on my e-commerce for this amount of time? Or do you go with gut feel? Gut feel and your stress level feel. So if you look at the dates, like let's say right now is end of February and you're thinking you need a break and work on your your other stuff. Like maybe you have a YouTube channel, maybe you have a shop update that you want to work on. You know yourself best in terms of functionality. And you know what you also know? You probably also know that you're going to overestimate your abilities <laughs> and say that it's going to take you two days when in reality it's going to take you two weeks. So if you're looking at craft fair dates and you're adding something like let's say two months from now and you're thinking, all right, if I work on a tight schedule, it's going to work out and blah, blah, blah. It's not going to work out. The fact that you said it's going to be a tight schedule it's not going to work because you're going to add extra pressure on the thing that you're currently working on while no, having no time to prepare for your craft market. And that would mean you're either going to burn out halfway or you're not going to be happy with the shop update or whatever it is that you're working with because you're not going to be at your 100%. And obviously craft markets are at the weekend. I would say most of them are. So you have to think from a social aspect whether you want to give up most of your weekends because a lot of them are two-day events and you can maybe opt for one day or the other but that's something you definitely need to be considering when you're booking these in you might think oh yeah I can do that weekend that weekend and that weekend and then I'll leave myself one weekend free how nice am I to myself when actually that is so much time spent elsewhere especially you know, if you have a full-time job, you've just given up your free time for almost a month. Just be really careful about that and try not to stretch yourself too thin. It's one of the things that got me to stop, essentially, was the fact that I started noticing that I didn't have any free time. And it wasn't even to, like, see my friends or anything. It was more of, like, I didn't have free time in my, like, brain, it was like whenever I was awake, I was doing a mental checklist in my head and worrying about all these events that I had planned out. So if you're at that point, one thing that you can take out is, you know, something that is more of a temporary thing and that, you know, you can return to. You can't really. How do I say this? It's very hard for you to lose reputation if you've already done something with that craft market and that they liked you so if that's something that you're worried about and again you did your vibe check i'm very sure that they'd be more than welcome to have you join them again in a year or so and maybe you want to take a break for longer than a year some companies grow so big that they don't even have time to do craft fairs it's more of they choose to make time for craft fairs, but you have to remember they're also either running on no energy and they're stressed out constantly, or they did sacrifice some time on other things. Have fun. 
I don't have <laughs> yeah. mentioned that yet. I just realized I haven't mentioned that. Jesus. Oh my God. That's not what, this is not supposed to be a super like, this is what you missed. <laughs> business thing. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, yeah. Like I've been talking so seriously. What the heck? Um, no, have fun. Like genuinely, if you don't have fun, people are going to see that you're not having fun. And it's just, if there's a new person coming in and they're about to ask you, hey, what do you think of this craft fair? And you look like you don't want to talk to them. Uh, yeah, you're not going to pass their vibe check. But like, I get it. Bad days happen. But if you try to have fun, try to make the best of it, you're it's it's going to be better than you actively trying to not want to be there. You know, if you're sick. Maybe have someone to watch your uh, stall. But try to figure that out prior. So what I'm saying is you can, you know, the thing where I said you can do the solo or someone else steps or uh, if you solo or have a, a duo. You can always ask someone that you can really trust going like, hey, on July 1st, I have a craft market. Could you be my backup person? I'll pay you or I'll whatever if in case I get sick that day. And I, it's past the cancel time and full refund time. Do you think you can help step in for me? Have that set up before the event. Don't go like the night before going like, hey, I'm dying. Could you step in for me? And they'll be like, dude, I have brunch with my friends. I would have if you mentioned this earlier. You know, it doesn't hurt to ask and, you know, do offer them something because it is essentially putting them. Yeah, you're putting them on call as well. Have fun. Yeah. And speaking of fun, <laughs> if for some reason you don't have fun, I've heard Candace mention this before, don't have a go at the organizer. <laughs> don't gossip. I just want you to look at yourself if you're about to and just go like, what would this achieve? I'm not here to scold you or anything like that, but I'm, I'm genuinely, if you sit in negative emotions constantly without trying to look at the bright side of things it's gonna affect your day it's gonna affect those around you which will in return be worse if you're not having fun just bear through it if there's something that you want to address because i know i'm we're gonna have people thinking right now Gemma, going like well candace i want to say my thought i get it i get it send them an email afterwards please because a lot of the times they're already super busy. If you add on or tack on another stress on the day of or like immediately afterwards, it's not fun for them, for you talking badly about the host or whatever or the event because maybe someone around you is having fun and you're saying things like that. It's going to, you know, it's going to ruin their mood essentially. So try not to do that. If there's a fundamental issue or something that you want to address, again, email them afterwards. Not in a condescending way, please. Like in a helpful business to business kind of tone. Professional. Be professional, please. You are a business, right? If you lash out and th throw a tantrum, what does that say about you and your business, right? Yeah. So let yourself cool down. You know, it's one thing if maybe there's a leak above your head and it's dripping on your stock, then you can grab them <laughs> for help. But if it's just, oh, I'm really unhappy with the footfall, that mm -hmm. can be sent 
in an email. Exactly. <laughs> so the thing that I always mention before, the thing that I always think of before I mention any problem, and this is just in life in general, if it's something that can be fixed within five to 15 minutes or so, then I'll mention it. For example, someone has a lock of hair that's in a disarray. You can ask them, hey, by the way, your hair is all like, you know, you might want to brush it out real quick. If, you know, there is a, I'm talking about like not big things. So this goes down to like, if there's the marketing is not that great, you know, do you really think they can fix that in five minutes? If not, then put it in here, bring a notepad and bring pen. Cause that's also important just in case. Anyways, write it down, write down the list of things that you're not happy with that, you know, that they cannot change within that day uh, or immediately. If you don't know if it's something that you can fix, then then you can bring it up in a gentle, polite manner. So, for example, I know that there was an event where there was a lot of water and rain. Um, there was a leakage, which I get. And so, yeah, the host did end up doing something about it because that's something that's super important. But if you're going like, I want you to move me because I'm not happy with where I am. That's not happening. The event already started. It's going to look bad on your part because it will also look like you're not ready and I see I haven't done many craft fairs but I imagine if you frankly were see I'm trying not to swear (laughs) if you're not a very nice person to the vendor they probably know people in the industry and that might get around to other people in the industry that you're not very nice to work with so just keep that in mind do you want yourself potentially blacklisted from other events vendor hosts and staff come in as customers. I know that because I'm really good friends with the founder of one of the events that like one of the big event people. I'm really good friends with her. And she says, and like unfortunately it has happened, the people who threw a tantrum and were overall gossiping about this whole situation, the other people the other event hosts did come as a customer and did see that. That they're gonna note that down. So when they see your name come across, why would they want that level of energy at their event? So they do. You know those secret shoppers that you don't that you always hear about that you don't think that happens at these events? It happens. It happens. I recognize at least like three other people because I saw follow them on markets and I was like, oh, they're here. So my last question, Candice, is what is your favorite part of doing craft fairs? Honestly? the end (laughs) no okay this sounds horrible this sounds horrible but during that time okay well there's two of my favorites the first favorite is the downtime now that sounds weird because you'll be like oh kenna so if there's downtime that would mean you're not making money but that would give you opportunity to make friends and talk to people where if you were being swarmed constantly yeah you're making money but you also didn't have time to build that community that you wanted to build And so, yeah, the downtime, talking to other vendors, you know, everyone going like, my feet hurt. Do your feet hurt? Yeah, 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 (laughs) it does. Yeah. So there's that. Um, And then at the end, where you sit down at home with a cup of hot chocolate or tea or whatever in front of your Netflix, and you're like, that weekend was exhausting. However, it was super rewarding. 
Yeah, I understand that feeling. So when I teach workshops, I I don't get loads of anxiety, but I still I'm never sure what to expect. <laughs> so there's going to be maybe a mean person, but there never ever is. And you know, people are really lovely when I teach, but at the end is when I get this adrenaline rush because I've still put myself out of my comfort zone. I've done something that I enjoy doing and I just get a burst of satisfaction. Right. Yeah. So it's just, you're tired, you're, you're nervous. The level of anxiety is just through the roof. But then once it's all over, you get to say, I did something this weekend that not a lot of people can do, have the opportunity to, you got, first of all, give yourself a pat on the back for getting selected for even applying. I know once you guys apply, that's where the ball starts rolling. And then once it ends, give yourself another pat on the back for actually completing and going through with it, not canceling on it and stuff like that. It is a lot of work, like a lot of work. I've cried like afterwards and then like and then I was like you know what I earned this chocolate ice cream you know you know what I mean it's not saying that I had a bad time but it was more like you know it is really tiring but it's also really rewarding so yeah you might think the worst of some people sometimes going like I'm gonna meet someone that Bought my stuff five minutes ago. It's going to come back and say, I don't like it and cause a fuss. No, don't think about that. Don't think about if that could happen to you or whatever. Just go there and have fun. And then once you're done, you can go home. You don't even need to unpack a lot of the stuff. Just keep it in there for now until you need it. Unless if you're one of those people who'd like like to organize these things. I'm not. So I just leave it in a bucket and I just put it in the corner of my apartment And then I don't touch it until three weeks before the event again. Yeah. And also, you should have hopefully made some money. (laughs) Celebrate that as well, because that's a big win. Like, Mm -hmm. that's the whole reason, you know, you're going to boost your income. So hopefully that can bring you some happiness too. If possible... Treat yourself to, you don't have to treat yourself to a nice dinner, but treat yourself to a comfortable, like a comfy dinner. Don't make dinner. Unless if you love cooking and you find that relaxing. I love cooking, but I don't find it relaxing. So after your event, you can go to like, you know, your local favorite restaurant, like a sit down restaurant and just, you know, eat there. And then at the very end of your event, if it's a two day event, then you can eat at a nicer place if you want and stuff like that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's good advice. Oh, my God, I just forgot. (laughs) Okay, this is something that I'm going to add on to my checklist as well. It's called a... Now, shout out to Angela from Angel and Hair. Um, She was always recommending me to get this, and I always forget. It's called a coin dispenser. So you just load it up with the coins, and then, like, you don't have to look through Ah, your little fanny pack anymore. Um, it's pretty cheap. So yeah, that's what I'm going to be using next time, which mm. my next craft market's next next month, April. Yeah. And also make sure you have a way to take payment via card. So in the UK, we have something called SumUp. I don't know if you have that. We have something called well, Square. Candace. 
Yeah, a similar thing. Just a yeah. small device so you could take car payments. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you're missing out on money. Yep. Um, cool. So before we wrap up as well, I wanted to bring attention back to reviews because we've actually seen our first review appearing oh my god on yeah the podcast we we're so excited <laughs> um candace are you able to bring it up and we can do a uh, shout out let me check i think this person's name because it's just a username josie and Thank you, Josie, for your review. So the review said, This podcast is so different to a lot of the business podcasts out there for several reasons. One, these ladies aren't talking to established big-time business moguls. They're talking to the everyday creative soul who's trying to turn their passion into profit, which makes me feel like they're talking directly to me. Two, they cut through the waffle and give straight-to-the-point opinions and advice. I just love it. It makes me feel less alone in starting out with my creative business. I can never wait for the next episode. That's so sweet. Oh my it god. It really makes me so happy. It makes me... Um, oh my god, yeah. Because... Obviously, we're not doing it just to be told we're doing a good job, but um, it's like so rewarding to hear that people are... One, listening, so we know that our time has been well spent... But two, hearing that it makes someone feel less alone. Because I felt really alone when I started out in my creative biz, as I'm sure you did as well, Candice. And I turned to podcasts a lot and they generally made me feel comforted. So I'm really glad that we're doing that for someone. (laughs) So I guess to beginners, things may seem intimidating, but you will be able to do anything you put your mind to especially mm-hmm. if you're seeking help from the community. Um, and then you won't even think about stuff <laughs> because it's just so second nature. Um, the last thing before we do finally wrap up is message me and Candace. Actually, don't message Candace because she's really bad at reading responses on <laughs> on Instagram. Oh, message me on my Click Free Gems Instagram if there's some specific topics you would like to see. Uh, we do have the Hobby to Hustle account, but I'm not quite as on the ball with that because Instagram keeps logging me out and it's really annoying. So message my Click for Gems one. Let us know what topics you'd love to learn more about because, yeah, we will be doing several more episodes this year. So drop, drop me a message. And thank you all for listening. Don't forget to leave a review because we can see them now. Bye. Thank you. Bye.